Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome back to Talking with Traders. This is the fifth season of the podcast to take us up to the end of 2022. Thanks to all our loyal listeners for returning and welcome to all our new listeners. As before, IG Markets have come on board as sponsors of this podcast. We're truly grateful to have such an award-winning CFD provider as sponsor alongside us. In this season, I'll welcome back some guests from the previous seasons of the podcast to get their updated market views, and we'll also be bringing in some new guests to the microphone too. As always, the aim with these podcasts is to give you the opportunity to listen to differing market views and to assist you with your own trading and investing education. So with that in mind, let's get straight into another episode of Talking with Traders. Welcome back to another episode of Talking with Traders, and this is in fact the last episode in Season 5 of Talking with Traders. We will take a little hiatus now until the end of 2022, and then starting again in January 2023, we will begin with Season 6 of Talking with Traders. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the podcast. His name is Ross Larter. He is the author of a book called How to Make Money in the Stock Exchange. And I'm really looking forward to chatting to you about your career in the market, Ross, and about your views and yeah, how you guide traders, the mentoring service that you that you run. Um, sure Trading is, is the mentoring service that you run for clients. Welcome. Good to chat to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Garth, for inviting me. I really appreciate that. Super. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next 40 or 45 minutes of chatting to you, Ross. Um, as I do with every new guest when we get a, a new guest onto the podcast series, uh, if you could, in just two minutes, give us a little bit of a background to yourself and how you got involved in the markets and the sort of the path that your career has followed to this point. Because I know it's not quite a, it's not such a conventional route that you've taken to get to the point where you are now. Yes, um, I think it is a, a quite different to a lot of people that are in this environment uh, that I've found myself in. Um, originate in the Eastern Cape, a farming uh, family uh, in Maltina in the Eastern Cape, where they still make Omar rusks. Okay, right. And uh, went to boarding school in Queenstown. Um, but uh, my work, my uh, career working, I started off in the human resources department of a goldfields mine. Okay. Uh, well, that's where I want to start the the, the story. You know, I'd, uh, I was in the bank as well for a little while, uh, just after my military training and so on. But uh, I, I worked for Goldfields, and at the age of 26, I was doing very well there. I was human resources manager of one of their mines. Now, um, I've always wanted to be, I had always wanted to be in a business of my own. And uh, I left the mines, bought an existing business together with a business partner, but it really didn't turn out well. And so we moved back to the Eastern Cape where my wife and I ran a small business. Okay. Um, and then um, I studied to go into the full-time ministry, actually, and uh and when I was ready, uh, we moved to Barclay East, where I was the pastor of a church for uh, um, just a little over 11 years. Now, it was during that time uh, in 1994 when uh, things were changing in the country and so on, we decided to start a private school. Um, and we used a curriculum called Accelerated Christian Education, which is basically 
based on the Montessori system, uh, where each child learns at their own pace. And this, of course, helped those who were on track education-wise, or, or sorry, helped the ones who are not on track education-wise to um, not cause the, um, uh, you know, not be retarded in their progress right. with, the, with the children who were not on track. So uh, we started the school, um, you know, the local Model C school was dragging their heels uh, uh, at that time. And uh, so we started the school with seven children, my two children being seven of the uh, two of the seven children. And uh, it was actually quite interesting. We we uh, it, the word got around that we were offering boarding school facilities and that caused the school to mushroom from seven children to 140 in one and a half years wow. in a small little community, Barclay East. Now, Barclay East is on the southern tip of the Drakensberg, you know, just yeah. uh, uh, on the east in the Eastern Cape. Uh, yeah, very yeah. just below the Lesotho Mountains. Right. And um, yeah, so now what happened was uh, it, we got so busy with that, you know, we had to establish boarding school facilities and everything. And eventually, as I said, um 140 children so we were employing 44 people wow. including teachers and hostel staff and everything like that so yeah. I, it became something i was very uh passionate about and got very busy with that that i handed over the the pastoring side over to somebody else and went full-time into the school but what happened was when my children reached senior school level uh, we were we had there was a bit of a dilemma in that our school had not fully developed into a senior school, so I had the choice of um, uh, either sending my children to boarding school so that they could finish their senior schooling. Uh, you know, my parents, being farming uh, parents, uh, had no choice; they had yeah. to send us to boarding school. Right. But uh, I felt I had a choice, and so we decided to rather. Uh, moved to East London, which for us was the big city. Right. Uh, we moved to East London and uh, so that my children could uh, do their senior schooling there. And uh, when I arrived in East London, I was approached uh, to start another school because we had, it was a very successful school. I'd handed over to somebody to uh, who was very confident in running it and so on. Mm. But uh, we decided against uh, another project like that. So I was basically in East London looking for business opportunities, I I did get involved in in um, you know business opportunities, um, including network marketing and so on. But uh, never really found anything that I could uh, I felt I could be passionate about. Okay. And um, yeah, so it it was during uh, the early years in East London that a business acquaintance contacted me and he said he said to me he said you know Ross you've always taught people different things, different people, different things. Why don't you teach them how to trade on the stock exchange? And, you know, he was marketing a software package that provided end of day data to on all companies on the local JSE. Mm. And I said to him, I don't know anything about the stock exchange. Um, but you know what, I needed an income. And so I decided to take up the challenge. Uh, of learning the process, I knew nothing about the stock market, apart from what I'd heard on the news. And uh, but I needed an income. Uh, took up the challenge, uh, learning how it works. I, I had uh, the people that that had introduced the idea to me as as mentors, showing me how the whole setup works. Mm. And uh, but you know, my focus was not for me 
to make money out of the stock exchange per se right at the beginning. My focus was to learn how the whole process works so that I could be in a position to teach others. Right. Now, it wasn't long before I started trading uh, myself, you know, but uh, but initially um, it was the teaching and the mentoring and obviously earning an income through that that uh, became a, you know, teaching and mentoring is a passion of mine. And uh, and uh, I just found it uh, very gratifying. Yeah. So I started uh, I started our company um, in 2002. Okay. Uh, which is now 20 years ago, in February 2020, uh, 2002, uh, in East London. And, yeah. um, and what I learned very early in my journey as an educator of people wanting to learn how to trade is that trading can be a lonely, quite a lonely journey. Sure. Um, you know, I've always been strong on community, and I try to make the students feel that they are part of a wider community, a wider trading uh, community. Uh, where they can bounce ideas off each other and so on. And so when I started out, uh, you know, we didn't have trading platforms and and yeah. all that internet and uh, computers and personal computers had just yeah sort of, two two thousand and two. Yeah. That was when I yeah. started, and it, yeah, there wasn't really online trading. It was very That's much right. in its early infancy at that stage. If if you were very advanced, yeah. Yes. And uh, so you had to phone the broker to to execute your your trades for you, and uh, you know, and and we were dealing with end of day uh, software, right? And uh, and so we didn't have uh, you know live charting or anything like that at the mm. time. Um, yeah. So um, I was introduced to derivative trading, that CFDs and so on, yes. in two thousand and six by an ex policeman. Okay. But, yeah, this this ex-policeman, uh, it was a very interesting story. He was in the dog unit in Durban, him and his wife, both dog handlers. Mm. And uh, she had, her dogs had, one dog had been killed through in a skirmish. And she said, you know, I, I can't handle this type of pressure. And she left the police. And he actually followed suit and he left them. And he'd heard about CFDs and he, he put 10,000 Rand into his CFD account. And within 18 months, he had turned that 10,000 Rand into 1 million. Crikey, that's a lot of gearing and a lot of a lot of things going right. Absolutely. And it was at a time when the markets were just literally such strong bull markets before the 2008 crash, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, this impressed me greatly. And uh, and but, you know, I'm always very, very quick to say, Garth, that don't let that uh, create unrealistic expectations in you. Yes. Because, you know, this is what happened to me. But uh, I, I personally haven't turned ten thousand into a million in eighteen months. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know many people who have. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I do know of some, but uh, but not many at all. And yeah. uh, but he introduced me also to online trading, and so he sort of mentored me uh, with regard to the um, uh, derivatives trading. Okay. Um, yeah, I moved to Cape Town in 2008, uh, mostly for family reasons. You know, we have two children and yeah. um, daughter was studying here in Cape Town. My son was in Pretoria. And uh, so it was just uh, my wife and I in, in East London. And so we just decided, you, uh, you know, my business is the type that can be operated from anywhere. Yes. So we moved down to Cape Town. So we've been here for about 14 years. And um, 
When arriving in Cape Town, we continued to meet with our local clients on a weekly basis, at first hiring premises around the city. And uh, and then I was soon invited, uh, you know, to meet and hold training sessions with uh, uh, in our broker's offices. And uh, yeah, and, and so that's basically uh, how we sort of started the business and uh, went about the business. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, in, in 2016, I was approached uh, by Penguin Books, and I was asked by them to, if I would consider writing a book that would help the ordinary South African benefit from the stock exchange. Mm. Now, the book, as you mentioned earlier, How to Make Money on the Stock Exchange, it was launched in February 2017, which is actually quite interesting because uh, uh, we used to meet uh, a couple of our trading uh, clients, but the uh, there was another guy who who met with me, who I mention a lot in the book, um, met with us on a Tuesday morning. Uh, he used to trade the Aussie uh, mm. on, you know, with us. Mm. And he taught me a strategy, which I share in, in the book. And uh, I showed him this, uh, this email from Penguin. I said, you know, I've, I've never written a book before. And he said, but you have to, you just have to. And so mm. anyway, I took up the challenge and it's just been a, a wonderful journey since then, I must say. But um, what happened was it was launched in February, and this is when things changed for us in that I was working with local people in our local community. Mm. Um, you know, I had the odd client from outside of Cape Town, and, of course, I had a number of clients in East London from our days there. Yeah. But, uh, I was working mostly in the local community, but all of a sudden when people were reading uh, my book and then uh, contacting me, uh, that was when we actually uh, went completely online. So my whole business now is online because okay. our training and our mentoring, uh, we don't go to a physical office anymore, or physical uh, meetings anymore. Obviously, I try and meet with my clients as often as I can, but, uh, mm. but certainly the training is done all online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. So I mean, you and I are similar in certain respects in that you run a, you know, I suppose, a, a let's call it an advisory slash mentoring slash guidance service to your clients, people who DIY traders, I presume mostly DIY traders who are trying to navigate their own way through the markets. Um, <clears throat> you do it with, with sure trading and I do it with my traderscorner.co.za brand. Um, but a couple of questions which I'd like to put to you and we can perhaps compare notes on this. Uh, you know, you, you obviously get new clients that come to you looking for mentorship, looking for guidance. They're presumably doing that because they don't have much experience in the market or they're lacking in the sufficient experience. But do you believe that anyone can become a trader and become a successful trader? Or do you think that some people are just, just not cut out for it? I, I mean, you mentioned CFD trading. And if you look at all of the CFD brokers internationally, now, they, by law, they have to actually disclose the percentage of clients that are winning and losing. And it's always it's skewed towards the losses. I mean, uh, currently, IG markets, I think they're sitting at an average of about 77% of their clients lose money trading CFDs. And if you go to any other uh, uh, CFD provider, you'll find that the number is the same. I mean, it's, for my experience, it generally averages between... 70 and 80 percent all you know over time of people who trade leveraged products will lose money which means that there's a very small percentage who are even managing to keep their head above water never mind actually make a success of it yeah just because 
80% are losing doesn't mean that the other 20% are all flying and driving Ferraris. That's Most not. definitely not the case at all. So, you know, to get back to the question in your mind, you know, do you think anyone can do this? Or, or are there certain people that are just cut out better for it? And, and, and I mean, do you sometimes look at a person who arrives there and sort of come, comes in the door or the, the virtual door, I guess, as it is, as it is in an online world now and say, you know, this person's just got no chance. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I believe that, well, first of all, trading is not for everyone. Yeah. Uh, that that is upfront, and and those stats that you've given are possibly um, even conservative. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they're conservative in that. Uh, I think I think the percentage is is probably about ninety percent, Garth. Uh, mm. And the reason for that, I believe, is that people come into this environment with with stars in their eyes. You know, they have this idea, and this is because it's heavily promoted on the internet where people are saying, just follow me and you're going to become wealthy overnight, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and this is sad, especially in view of the fact that so many of our people have never really been exposed to the stock market. Now, all mm. of a sudden, they are exposed to the stock market, but you get people that are giving them unrealistic expectations. So, yeah. so even, you know, and, uh, you know, it was actually quite interesting because my book, I wrote in what turned out to be the single most difficult trading year that I had, 2016. And uh, so it was difficult trading. I was also writing the book and so on and so forth. And uh, and so I tended to home in on the losses. And I got to a stage where I thought, you know, I'm hoping I'm not putting these people off. Uh, you know, buy my book and they get put off uh, uh, trading for the rest of their lives sort of thing. But actually it turned out to be exactly the opposite because all of a sudden they were they were being exposed to the risks and 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 that it's not as it's not complicated but it's not as easy as they initially thought okay. but even so um even being told that in my book people still have unrealistic expectations and i think yeah. it's the the unrealistic expectations that causes that statistic to be true is that even you know and and also they 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 yes they say that there's a risk involved i know there's a risk involved but uh they haven't embraced the risk to yeah. the extent where um where their money management is right yeah um, there are exceptions obviously but uh, but for most people uh, you know it's not about in, in education it's not about intellectual ability as much as it is about temperament yeah um I believe that anyone can become a successful trader if there is a desire, but it has to come with the perseverance and the discipline required. Uh, those have to be present, and they don't come at the beginning. They yeah. come yeah, uh, as time goes on. So yeah. I try not to prejudge, but there are people that I think um, I don't know whether you will be able to trade. But I can't stop them. And the reason is because they're going to go to somebody else. Yeah. And so so I'd rather um, me sort of coach them and uh, and just tell them the pitfalls and, and, and so on before they start putting their hard-earned uh, money in, you know. Mm, mm. I, mean, I, I, I had a person phoning me one day and he said, uh, he said, do you think it's uh, realistic if I ask my aunt if I can borrow 5,000 Rand from her and that I will pay her back at the end of the month uh, after having made a profit of 5,000. 
And I said, absolutely no, you know. And yeah. I had somebody else who said, um, I've just had a knee operation and I'm going to be um, uh, in, 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 you know, incapacitated, not be able to go to work for the next three weeks. Uh, do you know anything about crypto? Because I want to make money out of crypto. You know, that type <laughs> of thing. These are totally unrealistic expectations that are created by people who are just trying to sell them a program and so on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, as one progresses, one finds out that it's not so much about knowing the technical side of getting into and out of trades uh, at the right place, but it's about being able to handle the fear and the greed. And, uh, you know, one of my most successful trading clients is has only got a grade eight, grade 10, sorry, a standard yeah. eight. Right. Yeah. I mean, but he's dealt with the fear and the greed and he's strict about his trading and his money management rules. He's extremely disciplined. Yeah. But it's taken three accounts, three blown accounts. And but he's been trading for 15 years. So yeah. these this, this all happened in the first three years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do believe that most people have the ability to be able to learn how to trade. Mm -hmm. But it's, as I said, the temperament. You know? Yeah, it's not as easy as that, as they make it out to be. Yeah. And as you say, the marketing is misleading, uh, which is unfortunately what creates these unrealistic expectations. You know, I sometimes almost feel like there should be rules or regulations around the marketing of these products, much like there's the regulations around, you know, marketing um, cigarettes. You know, you think back in the olden days, the way they marketed cigarettes, it was very similar. You know, you'd see people Absolutely. on the beach with a yacht yeah. and a pretty girl. And, you know, this was the life of smoking cigarettes. Well, you know, now you've got the guy with the yacht and the helicopter and the Ferrari and the pretty girl and he's a trader, a crypto trader these yeah. days. Yeah. And it's kind of like these things should come with a serious health warning. Yeah. But they don't because the, the rules yeah. don't, you know, the rules of advertising don't stretch that far. Maybe yeah, it'll it, come in, in future. And they've got this picture of you sitting on the beach with a laptop. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile you can't even see the screen on a laptop. Uh, on absolutely. You can't because yeah. of the reflection. And Well, I've never even tried and I've never yeah. seen, I don't know anyone. And I know a lot yeah. of traders. I don't know any of them that trade at the beach. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. this is one of those you know, nonsense, yeah. nonsense things that you see on the yeah. advertising. Absolutely. But, yeah, fair enough. So you think most people could, they have the ability to learn, but let's talk about the successful ones. I mean, what do the successful traders do differently that sets them apart? And we know that they're a very small minority, yeah. very, very small minority who are the really successful ones that yeah. can actually do this and consistently generate profits and make a living out of trading. What do they do differently that sets them apart from the rest? I believe that uh, successful traders think differently from the people who are unsuccessful. And I've yeah. learned, uh, or they've learned, uh, not only to accept the risk involved, but to actually fully embrace the risk. And, I, and they also take the responsibility. You know, what I find with most traders, even if they're not even uh, novice traders, is that if they get, in, get out of a trade at a loss or whatever it is, it's always the market's fault. It's always... Um, it's always the, uh, the the internet wasn't right today, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, what are the markets doing today? I mean, goodness me, they must be. I think the broker has got something up their sleeve that I just got out of this trade, and mm -hmm. and they, they don't 
understand the different, you know, the bid and the ask and, and all yeah. of the different price uh, and how it works and everything like that. And I believe that uh, a successful trader fully embraces the risk and they take full responsibility. In other words, they never blame the market. Yeah. They never blame because the market is just giving you information. The, the only thing that makes you biased for or against that information is if it's going against your trade or yeah, your own and, belief system. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so, yeah. And I believe that they also have learned to enter each trade with a totally carefree state of mind. Mm -hmm. In other words, there, there's no more emotion when losing a trade than there is when they are winning a trade yeah. or winning trade. Yeah. Now, that's easier said than done because most of us, uh, you know, so in other words, every trade becomes part of a process. It's not an event in itself. Mm -hmm. It becomes part of a process. So, yeah. so actually, um. I don't know whether whether it's a sort of correct way of looking at it, but if you want to be a very successful uh, trader, you uh, it, trading has to get to the place where it's numbingly boring. Uh, yeah. Uh, bored. Yes, yeah. yeah, boring. Sorry, <laughs> numbingly boring, um, because you know if if there's no emotion, because that's the biggest thing. Um, just one of uh, our traders, he has been, he's uh, my oldest trader, he's well into his 80s, and oh. uh, he started with me when he was in his 70s, but uh, we were chatting the other night in one of our meetings, and uh, and he kept on, he's always asking, when do you think the turnaround is going to come? When do you think the turnaround is going <laughs> to come? And what happened was his trade was going against him, and he was wondering when the turnaround was going to come, and um and then eventually he just had to get out because the turnaround didn't come in time. Mm -hmm. And it was only when he was out of the trade that he saw that his mind had been blinded to all the, the factors or all the signs that the trade was going against him. But yeah. he only saw that when he didn't have any money on the table to lose or gain. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is what people who are successful traders have managed to do, is to deal with the fear and the way to deal with the fear is actually to deal with the greed first. Yeah. Because we always want to eke the, you know, we all know that we need to cut our losses short and run with our profits. Mm -hmm. But you know that every single person that I know, myself included when I began, is I cut my uh, um, gains short and I ran with my losses. Yeah. And I sat there white knuckled waiting for the market uh, hoping that it's going to turn back in my favor. I've made, I think you've probably also made those mistakes. Absolutely. Uh, I've made all the mistakes many times. <laughs> I was a slow learner. I still learn. We're, you know, none yeah. of us are ever masters at this. I think that's the other thing. We are constantly learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. That, um, that, that you mentioned there just reminds me of a podcast I did with Dr. David Paul um, in the first yeah. season of this podcast. So that was like two years ago now. But it was that whole thing of you know running your winners and cutting your losers, and and we know as you say you're supposed to cut your winners quickly, or cut your losers quickly, sorry, and let your let your winners run. And he, when I asked him if there was a a holy grail in trading, his answer to that, which is kind of revolves around this, is he said that the difference between a winning trader and a losing trader is this: he said that a a losing trader, when he's in a winning trade, he quickly becomes a pessimist. In other words, he 
gets fearful that that lo- that that profit is going to disappear so he snatches yeah. at the profit when yeah. when the trade starts to go against him he suddenly becomes an optimist and expects that you know it's going to turn around it'll be okay in the end and he continues to ride it that's the losing trader that the winning trader on the other hand when he's in a losing trade he quickly becomes a pessimist and yeah. cuts the trade yeah. in fear that it's yes. going to get worse that is so and, true and, and when he when he's in a winning trade he becomes an optimist yeah. and adds to the winner and that i mean that is one answer in this podcast series which i've interviewed you know many people now but that stood out to me as such a clear distinction between what winners and losers do differently yeah yeah no absolutely now, tell us a little bit about your own trading. Um, you know, do you have a playbook that dictates what a trade needs to look like, what criteria need to be in place for you to enter a trade? Do you have a specific routine each day in terms of how you scan the market and looking for opportunities? You know, give us a little bit of insight into the way you trade. And I presume this is also then what you try and teach to your 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 clients as well. Yes, yes, no, I'll happily do that. Um, the answer is yes to all of those things. I do have a, we are, we try to be as structured as possible because there's one thing that I've learned over the years and which I teach my people is that you have to have trading rules. You know, you're entering in a, an environment where there are not many rules in terms yeah. of, it's like when you open a bank account mm. and uh, and you do uh, transactions on the internet. I mean, you can you can pay anybody whatever you want and draw money out and things like that. Mm-hmm. The only time they don't listen to you is if you've got uh, no money in your account. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And now the trading environment, nobody's going to stop you. As long as you've got money in your account, nobody's going to stop you from putting in a trade or taking off a trade and everything like that. So we, we, we're entering, which is which is um, very different to, to normal. You know, you go into a normal job and there are rules and so on, and there are rules in life, like traffic laws and things like that. Mm-hmm. In a trading environment, uh, you, you have to know a certain amount, obviously, but yeah. uh, and there are certain uh, fundamental rules. But for to, to stop you from doing something, there are no, no rules. So you can put on a trade, you can take off a trade, you can do anything you want to. Mm-hmm. Um and and this is what uh, gets so many people because of the fact that they uh, they're moving into this environment where there's nobody looking over their head to see whether they're doing it right or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, they you know they 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 really mess up in the beginning, mm. and that's why we've been so strict all the years with uh, money management and and not taking trades. Uh, that are too big for your account size, mm. um, and and yeah, just to keep to a certain percentage. So um, we we have strategies. I share strategies in my book, uh, and my second book, which is coming out next year, is uh, also share some other strategies that I've learned. But uh, mostly, um, uh, you know, we yeah, mostly. We, we stick to just a few strategies. I know that there are people out there that every week you get an email from them and they've got this new strategy and this and that. And, and that to me is very confusing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So uh, let me give you my personal routine on, on a daily basis. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Yeah. What I do is um, I do three types of trading. I do intraday. Mm-hmm. And then I do end of day, 
which is basically swing trading or position trading. Yeah. And then I have a long-term investment account. All of them are in the same trading account. Uh, You know, this is apart from my retirement annuity and those type of things. Sure. uh, um, So on a daily basis, uh, I have a a strategy where I trade the the top 40, the the Aussie, um, on a five-minute chart. Okay. Uh, I share a a strategy that I use uh, in my book, in my first book, mm. and uh, but I've tweaked it in the second book. Um, but now I don't trade that every day. Okay. And the reason for that is if you're trading a five-minute chart, you have to be there. Yeah. You can hardly hardly even go to the toilet. Sort yes, of yes. Um, yeah. And so, so for people who are working, uh, this is just a no-no. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But uh, so if I've got an appointment, you know, the, the market really starts moving at nine o'clock, around about nine o'clock. So anywhere between nine and 11, if I've got an appointment, I don't trade that uh, that trade at all. Right. But, but I, I keep a watch on the on the US indexes, uh, the, uh, you know, the um, NASDAQ, the uh, the US 30 or the Dow Jones and, and the um the S&P 500, uh, I keep a watch on those and I trade them on an hour chart. Right. So, so there I only need to make a decision once an hour. So okay. five, two of every hour, I then uh, see, okay, do I have to do uh, anything? Uh, do I have to set, you know adjust my stop loss or, or whatever it is? And mm. So, mm. So that one doesn't take all my time. So I can uh, do other things in between. Right. So I do that, and then I also um, do what we call, uh, well, what I call end of day trading, which is uh, where I uh, do equity CFDs. Okay. Uh, yeah, on the local top forty. So basically, right. what I do is uh, um, uh, part of what we offer our folk is uh, is uh, on a daily basis. I in the evening I go through the top forty companies. And I alert uh, our clients um, as to possible trading opportunities that right. I'm seeing with the uh, with the strategy that I share with my clients. Mm. I see this happening, and uh, they can then decide whether they feel they want to put a trade in. And yeah. we keep a record of those too, you know. Right. So I don't necessarily go into every single one of them because often there are two, just simply too many opportunities. Mm. So that is. That is uh, the end of day trading where I do that. Uh, so the, the decisions there are made outside of our South African working hours. Right. And, uh, and then, of course, the hour strategy, you can trade well into uh, the evening because mm. uh, these markets are open 23 out of 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and then I've got my long-term investment portfolio, which basically doesn't take all that much time, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. passive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my routine. So I, I yeah, I've got uh, five minute trading if I choose to uh, to do so. If I've got no mentoring meetings and so on, yeah, uh, morning, and then um, and then I've got the hour strategy, which uh, doesn't take all that long to set up and everything like that. And I only check it once an hour. Yeah. And the other one is end of day. Yeah. You're listening to Talking with Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG a world-leading online trading and investment provider. 
If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. Can you tell us just a little more about it? I mean, obviously, people should buy your book if they if they really want to get the greater insight. But I mean, that that hourly strategy, I guess, interests me. Um, I do something similar on the S and P five hundred, and I I seldom actually drop down below an hourly chart for the type of trading that I do. I, I don't follow the the very short term stuff like the five minute charts that you referred to. But in, yes. Give us a, give us an idea. US thirty or Dow Jones Industrial Index, uh, one hour chart. What what kind of criteria would you look at to initiate for example a long trade or a short trade i mean do you look at chart patterns are you watching moving averages what are the kind of rules as it were very interesting question goth and yeah. uh, um i share i share all of these strategies in my second book so you're just gonna have to get my second book <laughs> well <laughs> no. we'll, we'll talk about your second book at the end no. of the podcast i'd like no. to get it yeah now, just uh, I'll, you know, in in my first book, I I teach on an end of day strategy, mm. and also the five minute one. Okay, but it was actually after I had written the book that I uh, I was introduced to a, a gentleman um, who who I talk a lot about in in the book who introduced me to a strategy which we call the fractal strategy. Okay, and um, and. He is the one that only has a standard eight. Okay. But I tell you what, a prolific trader. He's got mm. two children that are full-time traders. Wow. Uh, yeah. So they are in a position to be watching the charts all the time. And uh, he goes about his business. But, um, um, and so basically we, we, it's, it's a very, very simple strategy. We don't use moving averages. Mm-hmm. We don't use, uh, we use just the stochastic. Okay. In a certain way, and then we use uh, the fractal, which is, uh, you know, which is a high point or a low point with uh, two candles lower than it. On you know, um, if you look at your hand, yeah. the fractal is the one at the top, and two candles going up, and two candles going up on each side. So right. Yeah, and so it's a breakout strategy um, okay. on the fractal, and then right. we also use support and resistance lines, okay. as well as uh, we we take. Uh, um, the doji candle very seriously because they yeah. talk about market indecision you know yes yeah for and, listeners that don't know what a doji is it's a japanese word it's kind of means equal i presume and yeah. it's where your your opening and closing price for that time frame is the same yeah and, the bulls and, and bears and, have had an equal fight so nobody yeah. came out of that yeah so exactly and as you said it, it indicates indecision and it often happens at a turning point yeah so, so these are the the criteria that we use to get in and out of trades. Now, you can apply that. The interesting thing is that you can apply that to uh, a five-minute strategy. You can try apply that to a one-hour strategy, a 30-minute strategy, a day yeah. strategy. You can even apply it to the weekly charts. Mm. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's a very, very simple strategy, and, uh, and your charts are clean. Yes. <laughs> uh, not uh, looking like a spider web with uh, yeah. so many indicators. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I've come across people, and I th- I went through a time like that too, where I just overanalyzed and mm. consequently never got into a trade. Yeah. And I realized that you know all, all your uh, strategy does is give you an edge over the market, mm. and uh, it gives you the 
probability that one thing is going to happen over another. And yeah. just getting back to what successful traders do uh, that, that are, is not done by unsuccessful traders is successful traders don't have a uh, an expectation of the market. Yeah. They will give or t- give the market or take from the market what the market is offering them at a time. Yes. Yes, and uh, they don't have an expectation because it's when you create an expectation that something's going to happen mm-hmm. over another, and then the opposite happens. You take strain and yeah. then all of those other emotional factors. Yeah, definitely. But, um, but yeah, so so this is a strategy that we use just a handful of indicators, and you can apply it to uh, indexes. You can try uh, apply it to. Uh, um, even ETFs, you know, that yeah. are not geared. Mm. So you can try apply it to Forex, you can apply it to commodities, anything. Yeah, anything that moves and has Absolutely. a bit of a bit of liquidity behind it. Yes, it definitely I, has to have liquidity. <clears throat> I liked what you said about keeping it simple. I mean, I, I firmly believe that as well. I mean, my own charts are pretty clean. I use candlestick charts. I do put some moving averages on. Um, I've got. I use trend lines. And one or two momentum indicators like a stochastic or a relative strength index. But like you say, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Um, my charting platform that I use here has got a drop down list of indicators, which I, I, I've never counted it, but I think there's over a hundred indicators on there. Half of them, I don't even know what they do and I don't care. I just want to keep it simple. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and because. I think what a lot of people make the mistake is they think more analysis is going to make them better traders because they think they're going to get more information by doing more analysis. And that's not the case. You know, if you want to become a better trader, become a better you, right? Understand yourself. To that point, you know, risk is a, is, is obviously huge in this business and managing risk and managing money, like you mentioned earlier. What is the the risk number that you'd look at on a trade? And I'm talking now your, your your let's say your five minute or your hourly chart strategy. You know, so we're talking intraday trading here. We're not talking about long term investments. That's a different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah, sure. What what do you allow yourself to lose on an individual trade? Three percent of my capital. Okay, interesting. Not three percent of my exposure or yeah. the uh, yeah three yeah. percent of my capital. Mm. And uh, that's what I, I won't allow myself to. So, so my position size, I put the stop loss at, you know, my stop loss order to to stop me from losing too much money yes. at a certain level. And then yeah. I work out the number of contracts I yeah. can. Because yeah. my risk after all is the difference between my entry price and my stop loss price. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I pay 3%, which basically it, you can go into 33 losing trades. Yeah. And you still haven't lost all of your money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's be hard to get 33 wrong in a row, even if you tried. You'd probably yeah. get some right by accident. <laughs> but that's interesting. So you've gone 3%. And now that's higher than what a lot of people would advocate. I mean, I think the, the generally accepted rule is 2%, 2%. And I know in the courses that I yeah. teach, you know, I always say 2%. But what I've found over the years is as I've become older and maybe um, – less testicular fortitude to be polite um, the numbers become smaller and i suppose that's also as as responsibilities have grown and risk appetite is yeah. less etc but yeah. you know it's gone from two percent to one and a half percent to one percent more or less nowadays it's about one percent per trade um so three percent is quite high 
knowing that there are times where the market, you, you know, dishes you clusters, clusters of winners and clusters of losers. Yes. So if you're risking 3% on, on an individual trade and you have a, you know, a nasty cluster, you know, so you get eight wrong in a row and it can happen, you know, that's minus 24%. That's a big drawdown. Yeah. Do you sort of, at, at, if that sort of thing starts to happen, do you step back? Do you stop? Do you reduce the risk? Um, I think one reduces the risk, uh, funnily enough, as your account gets bigger mm. um, because you can, you know, it's the same amount of money, but it's less of the capital that you have in your account. Yes. Um, I've always uh, used 3%. And um, and I, I think as, you know, as I've got older and uh, I, I am a couple of years older than you, <laughs> um, <laughs> I... Uh, I still feel that 3% is okay because of the fact that, um, you know, if your risk to reward is one is to two, yeah, um, then then you have to have a, a I know that or you can go through 10, 15 trades mm. that are losing trades all in a row. Yeah. And uh, if you're losing 3% of your capital on each one, it can be very, very scary. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I, I feel that if you if you persevere and you just stick to your strategy, in other words, you 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 follow, uh, you don't follow the money, you know, because if you run after the money, the money is always going to run faster than you. Yeah. But if you follow the process, in other words, if your every trade is carefully planned and it and it goes exactly according to your rules, because most traders will tell me they've lost money if they're honest with themselves. They've lost money because they did something wrong. Mm. They didn't follow their rules. Yeah, and um, and so I think possibly it is a little bit ambition ambitious to the to the wrong side of the the spectrum three yeah. percent. Yeah, but uh, I've always kept to three percent. Okay. Uh, what I do is, um, uh, you know, we have a, a spreadsheet that I send out to my clients on a daily basis with. Mm. Uh, with the trades that I have uh, seen falling in line with our trading strategies. Yeah. And um, so we keep a very strict record of that. And uh, now while I'm always aware that not everybody can uh, trade every single one of them because there are too many opportunities sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you had traded every single one of them, um, uh, you you know, according to the money management and stuck to your uh, to your rules and also stuck to, um, you know, managing the trade intra tr uh, while you're in the trade every evening, go into it, because I also uh, notify them of, you know, move your stop loss to such and such a place because uh, yeah. of whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, if you keep to those and you and you just go according to the process and not according to your need to know, to make money. Yeah. Uh 3% should be reasonable reasonably mm. safe. The other thing is when you when you come to equity CFTs, uh there is uh, the pricing is slightly different to the, just the spread as with the yeah. um uh, international indices and so on. Mm. But uh there's a minimum um of 50 rand or 50 or 100 rand per trade. Yeah. Now a lot of a lot of people start with very small accounts and that's yeah. always a little bit of a problem. Mm. And um and so uh, if they are trading with uh, 20,000 Rand in their account or 10,000 Rand in their account and they want to get into trades with equity CFDs, 
the, the, the share price has to go in their favor by even sometimes two or three percent before they even register profit mm. because of the smallness of their yeah uh, yeah so if they are trading equity CFDs I I sort of encourage them to to have their account slightly bigger mm. yeah same I mean I've always said to people out there I think the numbers a hundred thousand rand quite honestly you know yeah. you could do it with less but really and truly like you say if you want to overcome those transaction costs and be able to move the needle. You need to actually be properly capitalized. And it's Absolutely. like any business, you know, if you can't go into business undercapitalized, um, yeah. you'll fail. And it's the same in trading. You can't be undercapitalized in this business. Absolutely. Yeah. Ross, I've had this question directed me many times. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to direct it to you. If you are uh, so confident in your own ability to trade and you trade for yourself, you do trade your, your, your own capital, why bother with all these other things like running a mentor service and writing books and, you know, having relationships with, with brokers and doing seminars and whatnot? Why not just trade? Why not just, you know, keep it simple, worry about your own trading and, you know, yeah. why, are you, why are you involved in all these other things? Okay, Goth, yes, I've been asked that question plenty of times as well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, even if I haven't been asked, I know that it's in their mind, mm, uh, you mm. know, but I've been asked enough times to know that it is a normal question. Why do you do what you do? Mm. Why aren't you driving a Lamborghini and living yeah. in a Paris uh, if you are so good at trading? Yeah. Um, now, I am personally in a position where I could trade for a living, but okay. I actually have chosen not to. Why? Yeah. The reason is because I really love what I'm doing. I really love mentoring people. I love getting people involved. I do so many times feel almost guilty about getting them involved. I mean, they're the ones who come to me to get involved, yeah. but I sort of feel guilty because, because I know that they're going to go through pain and that they're going to. But you see, the thing is, there are people – that are going to be hugely successful. And, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, so they asked, you know, they asked me the question, um, you know, why are you doing it? Well, I, I'm passionate about teaching people. Um, isn't it very similar to asking a doctor why he wants to, who's quite capable of opening his own practice? Why does he want to lecture university students that mm. are full of rubbish anyway sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so um, you know, I've I've chosen to I, I could trade for a living, but um, but I actually enjoy what I'm doing. Mm. But there are people in my group who are retired, for instance. They trade a lot. There are some people that are in business that trade very very actively. I feel that you can trade not for a living, no. and you can trade on the side. Mm. And it's even better if you don't need that income, mm. to, uh, you know. So I don't discourage people from from uh, trading full time, but it's not a get rich quick thing. No. It's, and and you know I've seen so many people that trade full time that are now not trading full time anymore. Why? Mm. Because it's very stressful yeah. at times. It's consuming. And, yeah, it, and it's consuming, but it you know trading a lot of people just because you don't have to, you you don't have to have products to sell, you don't have to have customers to look after, you don't mm. have to have uh, uh, yeah. premises, no and, staff, and yeah. <laughs> no staff, and so on and so forth. And they think, my goodness, this is fantastic, and it is, 
but it absolutely is probably the single most challenging thing you can embark yeah. on. Yeah. In, yeah. And I say it's like embarking on a new career. If you think about a doctor, how long did they take putting out money and, you know, sort of, uh, sorry, I just need to, sorry. Sure. Cool. Go for you know, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, trading is easy and, and so on. But I, I say it's like embarking on a new career. If you think about a doctor, an accountant, a, uh, you know, an engineer, how long does it take them to get to a place where they're stopping uh, uh, putting out money, where, where, you know, they've got years of discipline and and paying out and and blood, sweat and tears before they get to a place where they can say, okay, now I know enough to make money out of what I've learned. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in, in, in this environment, a lot of people think that all they have to do is, um, uh, you know, learn how to click a couple of buttons on a, on a computer mm. and that they're going to be able to make money out of yeah. it. And it's, it's just not. not the same. You know, it's like a doctor. You would think a person is mad if they, if they say, I want to be a doctor I think I'll just watch a couple of YouTube video clips on how to operate, how to do a heart operation, yeah. and then I'm going to be a doctor. Now, there are people that do that, but yeah. uh, they eventually the get caught. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and you would think they are mad, you know, but people mm. come into this environment uh, thinking that it's a way to get rich without effort. Yeah. And while it's not physical effort, it is a lot of effort in, so in terms a lot of, of discipline yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, even if I, uh, you know, obviously I will eventually retire. My, my son works in the business with me and he, he'll probably take over. Um, but, uh, but I'll, I'll keep on keeping on because I yeah. love what I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like, you know, we, we share the same thoughts on that because it's exactly yeah. the same for me. I mean, I also could trade for a living. But I enjoy interacting with clients. I enjoy preparing analysis, looking at strategies, and just sharing what I've learned. I think there's something enjoyable about that, being able to actually Absolutely. pass your knowledge on to other people and assist yeah. others with their own journey. And yes. there's also, I mean, trading can be lonely. So if it's all yeah. you do, staring into a computer screen all day, it kind of gets a bit boring and lonely. Absolutely. So having other things on the on the side helps. In addition, something you didn't mention, but I think for the listeners that are perhaps have wondered about this question as well. Another reason why I don't just trade for a living is, and I suspect it's possibly the same for you, is that if you're just trading to make a living, to know that your ability to put food on the table at the end of the month and pay the bills is entirely down to whether you're going to be profitable or not as a trader, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And and when you have that kind of pressure, you're going to start making bad decisions, which is going to then have a negative outcome for you. So, you know, the, the way I view it is I, I try to try and grow my capital, not to live off the money. You know, Absolutely. I do other things to live off the money, like this podcast, like my mentoring business, the Traders Corner business, et cetera, it's much like what you've got. Yeah. And that's all risk-free income, which puts food on the table. Yeah. And trading is then sort of cream on the top of that. Absolutely. Because if you're going to trade and if you don't make money, you won't have groceries for your children. Yeah. Uh, you are just um, writing your own death sentence. Actually. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's, you know, th there are a lot of people that think it is as simple as that and they actually embark on it only to find the hard way that it's really not not nearly yeah. as, uh, as, as easy as what they would like it to believe. Yeah. yeah. 
Ross, we're running out of time. So I'm going to uh, just basically skip to the end of the discussion points that we had set out to talk about and ask you a little bit about your book, um, How to Make Money on the Stock Exchange. Where can listeners get a copy of it? Uh, and then also, just briefly, your business, Sure Trading. Tell us about that. How, how can listeners contact you if they want to? Okay. Um, well, let me just give you our uh, website address. It's uh, www.suretrading.co.za. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, there, there is a, another website. I think it's called Sure Trading Profits or something like that, that I've tried to, you know, commandeer us and uh, hoodwinking people. So please just get it right. Suretrading.co.za. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, my book, How to Make Money on the Stock Exchange, uh, you can get it uh, via Take a Lot. You can okay. get it at any of the bookshops. And uh, yeah, so I would, you know, in that book, I uh, first of all, I, I try to make it actionable. In other words, you, there are things there that you can actually apply. In fact, I got a, an email just yesterday from a person who said, uh, I've been trying this for a long time. Uh, and, and it's only when I read your book and that I realized where I was doing things wrong, you know, and that, that, uh, that was great. Um, mm. Yeah. And so, so, uh, and, and what I did was I, I explained the basics in that book, you know, how do CFDs work and, and, uh, and how you short the market and, you know, what actually happens uh, and some uh, strategies. So it's a mm. very actionable book. And I've right. done the same with the second book as well, which is yeah. coming out in February next year. Right. So February 2023 is the next book. Has has it got a name yet? It's called The Beginner's Guide to the Stock Exchange. Okay. All right. Super. And it contains some strategies. Uh, yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So, yeah, the, you can get them there. Uh, at you know, as I said, online as well as uh, at exclusive books and most bookshops. Most good bookshops. Yeah. Okay. Super. Well, it might be worthwhile getting you back on the podcast to talk about that book in the new year once it's out there and on the shelves and available. I will happily do that. Thank you, Garth. Yeah. And then just very briefly before we end, then uh, you know what do what do we do uh, at Sure Trading? Um, yeah. We offer a monthly subscription program, and let me just very briefly uh, uh, tell you what it. Uh, entails uh, you get access to the members portal of our website mm. which contains all of our training material okay. so we have a beginner's training course we've got training on the fractal strategy we've got training on the momentum strategy and all of the different strategies mm. um, so that's the, the first thing the second thing is that you have access to all of our four trading meetings per week monday evening uh, at these are all in uh, Zoom meetings right. on Monday evening, six o'clock till seven o'clock. Uh, it's a beginner's training session. Right. And then seven o'clock till eight o'clock the same evening, our more experienced uh, traders come and uh, share ideas and strategies with each others, which we th with each other. We sometimes do get guest speakers, but it's uh, mostly just uh, you know our clients. Okay. And then uh, Tuesday morning uh, we have at eight forty-five to ten o'clock we have a live trading session where I trade the uh, opening of the U.S. U, uh, European Union markets and the local markets. Okay. Uh, more or less at the same time, we've got uh, five-minute uh, strategies around right. that, yeah. which I trade live in front of my clients. And then also on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, between four and five at the moment, or between three and four, depending on whether it's daylight saving or not, 
which coincides with the opening of the U.S. markets. Mm. So we we have strategies around trading the indices. So okay. that's four hours of meeting uh, every week. But, uh, you know, sometimes people are working or they've got families in the evening. Uh, we record all of our sessions so they okay. have access to the recordings of those meetings. Okay. Then we've also got a Telegram chat group where our okay. traders are chatting to each other okay. uh, at any time, sharing ideas. And this is also where I alert. It's our, basically our main form of communication where right. I alert my clients to our um, uh, the, the end of day equity CFDs and so on. And right. other clients say, this is what I'm doing and so on and so forth. So yeah. that's really a, a good thing to have uh, the telegram chat group. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, on this chat group, I send that money management uh, spreadsheet to them. Now, what I've done is I've actively, um, you know, set out every single uh, trade that I've alerted my clients to. And uh, yeah, I've, I kept record from March last year to March this year. Mm. We were up 135 percent. If wow. you if you had actually traded all the trades, now I'm just right. saying don't necessarily trade. You might choose just the one that's not doing well, and, yeah. and so on. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, we know how it is. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, and from March 2022 right up to now, we are 72 percent up. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we we're doing pretty well with that. Good. Good. So, Fantastic. So, that, that's what we offer for our subscription uh, service. And then um, we also have a full mentorship package uh, where there's uh, a once-off cost, basically, and our clients in that have access to all that I've just explained to you. Right. Plus, there's an unlimited number of sessions with me privately, personally. Okay. Okay. That, uh, that person, yeah. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Super. So for more info, they can go to suretrading.co.za. All right. Absolutely. Magic. Ross, it's it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Um, it's As I said, this is the last interview of season five of Talking With Traders, and it's been good. I've really enjoyed this. It's a good way to go out into the end of this year. Thank you. Yes, I've really enjoyed it as well, uh, Garth. Thank you so Super. much for inviting me, and uh, hopefully your guys will feel that they've gained something from it. I'm sure they will. Thanks very much, Ross. All right. All Cheers. the best to you. And you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.